Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, Season 7, Episode 10. My first year that I've been at, that I was at Exeter, and it kind of stuck with me. And he said, to be successful in this world, you have to be unembarrassable, um, which is funny because I didn't put that into perspective. And sometimes the kids are dancing and, and having a good time or whatever it is, and you have to kind of be on board with it to a certain extent. Obviously, you have your standards, but um, you have to enjoy it because otherwise you're going to pull your hair out trying to get all these kids to do exactly what you want them to do. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. This is the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon, and today we are joined by a strength and conditioning coach in the Northeast. Nicole Fowler is a high school strength and conditioning coach at Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire. Nicole, welcome. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Hey, this is your first podcast. It's big time. Sure is. Yeah. Exciting for sure. That's awesome. And always great connecting with someone from the Northeast. Uh, one state over. I'm a Vermont guy and you're in New Hampshire. And uh, funny coincidence, we both went to Springfield College. So today we also are joined by a co-host, Coach Kevin Gregory, the NSCA's coaching and sports science program coordinator. He's doing great work with our high school professional development group and is helping us grow further support for high school and scholastic strength and conditioning. Kevin, this is your first time on the NSCA Coaching Podcast uh, since joining our staff at the headquarters in 2022. Let's go, man. Here we go. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to Nicole and get this thing rolling. Awesome. So Phillips Exeter, a little bit of a different kind of high school than maybe we typically hear about uh, here on the podcast. So tell us about where you're at, Nicole, and uh, your role at Phillips Exeter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Phillips Exeter is is definitely a little bit different in the the idea of high school. It's a boarding school. Um, so a majority of our students live on campus. Um, some of them are day students as well. So we kind of have a good mix. There's about 1,200 students that are on campus here with us. Um, we have grades 9 through 12, so a typical high school, but then students can come and join us as a postgraduate as well. So we do have some PG students. Um, the cool thing about Exeter is that it's an extremely diverse campus. So we represent about 33 countries. Um, and the school itself offers over 450 courses. Um, so I got the course of instruction manual actually recently, and my eyes popped out of my head at some of these courses that the, the students are able to take because it's run very similar to a college. And they do have a lot of um, say in the process and what their high school experience is going to be. It's an extremely high performing academic school um, so the students that do come here, they know that they're kind of, they know what they're getting into in terms of getting pushed academically. Um, and then we do have a, a a great amount of students that are here for athletics as well as academics. Um, so we kind of compare ourselves to um, a NESCAC school. So a, a little bit smaller in size, um, but tons of option and options for the students in very high performing academically. Cool. So let's look at your career. Um, so before Phillips Exeter, you were at the University of Denver. 
Um, and after getting your master's degree at Merrimack, uh, what were some of your goals in getting in this profession? Did you, did you have your target set at the high school? Funny enough, I didn't have any sights on the high school world really at all. Um, I got into the field after switching from a physical therapy major uh, my freshman year at Springfield. I was never exposed to a weight room prior to being at Springfield and training with my team. Um, I played soccer there. And so with that, I quickly fell in love with with the weight room and being kind of part of the process and being on that journey while playing the sport and with my team. Um, so kind of along the same lines as probably everybody that gets into the field of strength and conditioning, I wanted to be a director at a division one college program um, because I guess hindsight now, but because that's really all I thought that I could do uh, with the, the focus that I was in career wise and most of my experiences and internships and things like that led me down the path of collegiate strength and conditioning. Um, I ended up going to Denver and working there and having an awesome time there. And then different circumstances brought me back home. Um, so I, I maintained some of my connections with friends that I met through all of my internships and previous experiences um, prior to being at Denver. And I just reached out to one of my friends that works at Phillips Exeter, ironically, and and just wanted to pick his brain about high school strength and conditioning and and what it entailed and what the day-to-day -day was like. And he liked it, basically. And I was going home for some reason uh, over the summer. And he was like, why don't you just come on campus and, and uh, we can talk in person. And so when I went on campus, he brought me around the building and my mind was blown A, at the, the resources that Exeter does have and the facilities that they have. Um, I had to keep reminding myself that it was a high school and not a college, but I met the athletic director that day and they were in the works. And at the time I didn't really know this, but they were in the works of creating a full-time role at Exeter as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. So then the athletic director asked me to come back the next day for an interview. And I ended up getting the job at Exeter and moving back home and starting my career in high school strength and conditioning. And I guess kind of never looked back. I've, I'm loving it here and I'm loving what we're building. And it's a, it's definitely a work in progress, but I think we're making some great change and we're developing a, an awesome system here that I'm excited to be a part of. You talked about playing college soccer and that was really a gateway experience for you to learn about strength and conditioning, learn that strength and conditioning is a profession. Uh, I do think it's interesting. You kind of had your heart set on maybe collegiate strength and conditioning, like a lot of us. Uh, that's probably where most of the jobs are that we uh, that we see or know about or um, come across on the different job boards. But at Denver, you got exposed to some different sports. You worked with swimming, gymnastics, golf, and the triathlon teams. That's that's interesting. Triathlon in Denver at the altitude and. Uh, Oh yeah. Elevation. That's a big, big time sport for, for out this way. But yeah, it was a brand new program when I was there as well. So it was cool to kind of see that unfold and work with the, the first group of athletes to go through that program. I think it really speaks to when you get into the field as a strength and conditioning coach, there's a voice for exposing yourself to a lot of different areas of the field. I was a college football player. If I only work with football, that's 
that doesn't give me a lot of professional options to expand, you know, in the profession. And so you really had that experience at Denver working with a lot of different teams. And now you're at the high school level. What are some of the key differences that you see working with high school athletes versus college athletes a few years later? There's definitely differences between the two kind of generations, I guess, of of athlete and student that I've worked with. But I guess in general, there's and I, I had to kind of go through this process being here for the, the time that I've been at Exeter, but there's not a ton. And it's it's kind of it's nice to know that the work that I've put in prior to being in this high school world, I'm able to to mold it into something that works here with these high schoolers. Um, but I think with the students that I work with, they're, well, Exeter has 56 sports. So there's JV and there's varsity. Um, and not all of them and a good majority of them don't go to play on to the next level, especially like on these JV teams and things like that. So just quickly, I guess, to lay out the schedule. So our students need to have a physical education requirement every term. Um, so that could be by playing a sport or it could be by doing a, a physical education class. So a lot of the the students that we work with that are on these JV teams or aren't planning on um, going to that next level to collegiate athletics, I had to mold my, my thought process and change kind of the way I approached the coaching. Um, definitely the programming as well, as you can imagine. But um, the way that I approached the coaching, I had to take a couple steps back to move forward in the way that I I approached it. I think especially just being at Denver with all these very high performing athletes, they want to be pushed and they want to uh, be held to these really high standards. And I think I'm able to do that at Exeter. And it's just in kind of a different, you have to disguise it, I guess, a little bit uh, when you're working with these kids. But I've noticed for sure, in at least the past two years that I've been here, that it comes down to two things. And I've tried to narrow it down to two things, but the athletes want to have control or elements of control and they want to enjoy the process. Um, so with that being said, I just changed the way that I approached my sessions and the way that I approached working with teams, A, to make it more fun and to have them enjoy the process. Um, things that I was pretty tight on prior to being at Exeter, I had to let my guard down a little bit. And Sean Fischel, who is the head strength coach at Exeter, he said one thing on my my first year that I've been at, that I was at Exeter and it kind of stuck with me. And he said, to be successful in this world, you have to be unembarrassable, um, which is funny because I didn't put that into perspective. And sometimes the kids are dancing and, and having a good time or whatever it is. And you have to kind of be on board with it to a certain extent. Obviously you have your standards, but um, you have to enjoy it because otherwise you're going to pull your hair out trying to get all these kids to do exactly what you want them to do, but definitely enjoying the process. And then the element of control, they want to kind of know what's coming next. And I try to just really explain whatever I'm doing in the session before the session starts, I'll lay out exactly what we're going to be doing, why we're doing it. Um, and then have a system that they know what they're going to get every time that they're working with me. Yeah. You know, you brought up a great point about programming and the big difference between college and high school is often you're dealing with multi-sport athletes at the high school level. Uh, how do you manage working with the athletes who play multiple sports? Do you have, you know, set in season blocks, off season blocks, or 
do you have more of a hybrid model? What's your programming like? Yeah, the programming piece, I think, would be the the main area that I struggled with in my first year at Exeter, for sure. Um, I do deal with a lot of the the female sports in particular, and a lot of the females that come here are multi-sport athletes. So they play either two or three sports within our three terms that we're here. So within the, the multi-sport athletes specifically, I guess kind of before I dive into that, just again, to lay out the schedule and put it into perspective, the students, if you're in season and you're on a team, you'll work with us in the weight room twice a week for 30 minutes. So either 30 minutes before practice or 30 minutes after practice. Um, if the student is not playing a sport, they can take a PE credit off once a year. So we call it a choice format or they can opt out of PE. So for example, we have a, a fairly successful boys basketball team here. So a lot of them will play basketball in the winter um, and then they'll opt in the fall or they'll take that choice format in the fall. So we're able to kind of make an off-season training group with all those those students that aren't playing a sport and they're taking that PE credit off. A lot of times this the term before their sport actually happens. Um, so that makes it really nice because we can run an off-season model where we get a little bit more into the weeds with our programming, with our speed development. We run team speed in the winter and the spring terms typically. So any athlete or any student that wants to come do some speed and agility with us can come on in and they can they can work on their speed. But with the the athletes that are in season all year long, and that's the kind of the the population that I specifically work with, I'm running like I, I have to take a very periodized approach to it um, and look at it from almost like an annual plan. So it's nice to to be able to have that to pull from when I worked in college, but adapting the program kind of from term to term to make it fit and make it make sure that they are doing what they need to do to kind of maintain their performance all year long. So I guess kind of with that being said, like the first term in the fall is very kind of developmentally focused. So we work on foundational strength. We do a ton of extensive work, especially extensive plyos, just get them ready for the volumes that they're going to have all year long. Um, in the winter, there's a little bit more kind of strength speed focus. So we're still developing strength. I mean, they're high schoolers, so we're developing strength all year long with them. Um, but we're touching on some power stuff and and developing them in ways that are going to a, make them prepared for their sport in the wintertime, but also maintaining whatever they've developed before that and whatever we need to continue to develop by the end of the year. Um, so then come springtime when the athletes are a little beat up and they've had two seasons under their belts and they're going into their third and final season, a lot of times I'll focus, I kind of call it I'm speed strength, I guess. Um, so we're doing like a ton of contrast work. We're touching up strength. We're not focusing in a ton on it, but we're just essentially making things lighter and faster and and making sure that they're feeling good by the end of the term and the end of the year. Um, and then in the summer, we started all over again. You touched on progression a little bit there through a school year. One thing that's interesting about Exeter is having PGs or postgrads on campus, maybe a great hockey player or basketball player comes from graduates from another high school and comes there for a, basically an extra senior year. 
So you have a little bit longer developmental window with some athletes there. And when you're looking at those ages from maybe 14 all the way up to 18, well, a lot's happening there, you know, in, in terms of uh, changes in the body. So how do you approach pro programming from year one through years four and five? We talk a lot about long-term athlete development when it comes to the high school ages, mainly around puberty and just those ages that uh, those athletes are really able to put on some strength. You know, what's sort of your approach there? How different does programming look for the upperclassmen versus the lowerclassmen? Definitely. And it's funny that you touch on puberty because that's something I never had to deal with before getting into the high school world, um, especially when the, the students leave for the summer and they come back and they're five inches taller and they put on all this weight and their voice is deeper. It's, Man, it's you look like a really dynamic, great strength sure. coach. For yeah, that I'm like the best strength program. coach there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One would awesome. think, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. So we do have such a spectrum of athlete and it is funny to see, especially with these JV sports, we have 14 year old kids, um, in the same facility as a lot, a lot of time, these 18 year old PG football players or, or basketball players. So it's an interesting dynamic. And again, something I had to kind of adjust to and, and figure out how to make it work. The cool thing that we do at Exeter, and I think it works for us is we have for all of our JV teams, a JV developmental program. Um, so we kind of standardize the approach that we take with our JV sports in the fall. It's super structural. We're working on just developing movement patterns and time under tension and getting their kind of movement literacy up to where we want it to be in the winter. It's a little bit more strength focused, but still continuing to develop. And then a lot of times if you're a JV athlete, some of them will be a JV athlete for all three terms. So basically they've been in our system for two of the terms come spring. So we get a little bit more variable with our programming in the springtime. Um, but again, another example of like me having to let my guard down and understand kind of the realm that I'm working in. I used to have, I mean, I still do have standards with implementing a bench press with a team, for example, um, being able to do a certain amount of pushups, adding weight to your pushups, whatever it may be. But our weight room is a fitness center as well. So during the day, students can come in and they can use the weight room in whatever way they want. And the number one exercise, I'm sure, as you can imagine, that we see is bench press. And a lot of times kids failing on bench press or not doing it right and having to to grab the bar from their chest or whatever it may be. So when I had JV basketball in the wintertime, um, I was working through a push-up progression with them and trying to get them all kind of caught up in the way that I want it to be. And then the last phase that I was programming out for them, I was like, what do you guys want to to learn how to do in here. And they all collectively said bench press. Bench press. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't they? Right. Yep. And for me as a coach, like I'd rather them, if they're going to come in here and do it on their own, do it right and understand how to do it, than getting stapled by the bar every time they're in here or hurting themselves, you know? So I think with our JV program, we, we take a very standardized approach and to circle back and actually answer your question. Um, we're trying to develop strength with all of these students, regardless of where they're at in their journey and kind of get them caught up to speed for whatever's next. So if they are going on to, to play collegiately, we want them to be able to seamlessly integrate into a college weight room. 
we want a kid that goes to Exeter to not be one of those kids in a college program that's on the developmental phase all four years that they're in college. Um, and if they are on the developmental program, we want them to understand why and to be able to trust the process that their coach is implementing with them. So programming, I'm, I guess it gets a little bit more advanced here and there, um, but we're trying to develop general strength in their foundational movement patterns, regardless of the sport or gender. I would say the off-season groups is where we get a little bit more kind of advanced with our programs and we we auto-regulate and, and kind of implement different methods that work for the groups that we're with, but it's it's very dependent on the the person that we're working with for sure. You know, one thing we are seeing in high schools is that many strength and conditioning coaches in that setting are also teachers or play other roles in the campus community. Uh, do you have any other involvement at the school beyond the weight room? And uh, how does your department work between athletics and academics? Yeah, definitely involvement. Um, I would say that's another piece of the puzzle that I didn't necessarily kind of know what the high school world entailed. And especially here at Exeter, um, with the way that the school is run academically, you can imagine that there's all of the meetings that are necessary to go to. Um, the It's a very tight-knit community, which I'm very thankful for but there's a ton of meetings. So, but I think that the meetings help me prepare for whatever's next. If I want to go to an administrative role or, or whatever it is, I mean, it's necessary to be able to, to see that side of, of whatever the field entails. But um, we have a full faculty meeting once a year or once a week, actually. Um, so our whole entire campus community will talk about whatever we need to talk about um, on Mondays. Uh, we have a, a PE department meeting. So I'm my role is, is within our PE and athletics department. Um, so we have physical education teachers. I am not a physical education teacher. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, but our department, so Coach Fish and myself, we sit in on um, the PE meetings as well because they do have fitness classes in PE and they do have sports science classes and things like that. So we try to keep our hand in that and they they're open to our input and want to integrate us in as much as we can um our department so we have like i said coach fish who's our head strength coach and then myself and we also get some merrimack graduate students that work with us for the year as well so we meet um once a week and we we talk about professional development things that we're working on um there's a a fellowship curriculum that we're implementing in with our Merrimack students as well, working on programming and things like that. But role within the community, I think, is something that I've I've really enjoyed in my two years that I've been here. Um, I love to see the other side of, of the, whatever the campus is working on. And I don't think I was lucky enough to have a part of that in my previous roles. We were in an athletic department in one building, kind of keeping within our bubble. And it's nice. And especially having our gym be a fitness center, there's teachers and things like that that come in and, and work out all the time. So it's nice to to be able to kind of get to know the whole school. Um, I worked in the dorm last year, so I was at, on dorm duty, <laughs> which was an interesting <laughs> experience as well, as you can imagine. But that was cool because I got to, to meet the students that aren't athletes and the ones that I'm not seeing every day. 
I drove a couple of the teams to their games. <laughs> so just different things that I literally never would have thought that I'd have a role in. There's opportunities to chaperone, things like that. And I just, I really enjoy it because we're working with the students in the community. Um, yes, we're working with these students for four years, but we get to be part of their lives after their time that they're with us. So whatever school they go to, we get to become a fan of that school and we get to watch whatever they're going to do next if they're playing collegiate sports or whatever journeys they're taking in it. And it's really great to make connections with the faculty and the students because it's a little bit deeper, I think, than what I've gotten in years past. And I'm I'm enjoying it for sure. That's awesome. It's refreshing to hear you're so embedded in the campus community. I, I think at the college level and professional level, in a lot of areas of our field, we can be pretty isolated, you know, in the weight room, the four walls of the weight room. Oh, yeah. Or in, in, in good situations, we're out on the practice field uh, with the team doing conditioning. But many coaches are just managing weight rooms on the day to day. And it is important for us to remember when you work in a scholastic setting that you are part of a campus community that is bigger than just strength and conditioning. Uh, Exeter is obviously a place with a lot of history and a lot of core values that come through in every area of their academics and athletics. And uh, yeah, you speak to that really well. I thought that was really refreshing to hear. I want to ask misconceptions about high school strength and conditioning. This is, uh, you started in college, you were a college athlete, you were probably a high school athlete too, but now as a professional in the field, you know, what do you, what do you hear out there that's maybe a little off from what your day-to-day looks like? I think there's, there's definitely misconceptions out there and um, I'm guilty to it too. And I think I definitely was guilty to it prior to, to joining the team here at Exeter and being fully immersed in this world. Um, I think the number one thing and something that I honestly struggled with when I made the switch from college to high school is that you're not being utilized to your fullest potential if you go to the high school world or you didn't quote unquote make it because you're a high school strength coach. Yes, it's a it's a new world and it's not totally developed to its fullest potential yet, but I think that's what the best part of it is, is that if you get the right people in there, we can really build something pretty cool within the high school world. And I think that I'm being challenged in ways that I never was challenged prior to to being at Exeter in terms of my programming, my coaching, but also my values and where I stand as a person and what I want from a career. I think that it's an interesting field and a lot of people think the best people are at the top, right? In the professional world or in these high div- division one schools. Um, but I've met some really, really great people and some really smart people, especially in this high school strength and conditioning world that are using creative ways to create whatever they can with the resources that they do have. And I'm thankful for the experience that I did have because I'm able to pull from that and I was able to create systems at Merrimack and create systems at Denver. And I'm able to use those systems, but just figure out a creative way to kind of make it work in my setting that I'm in. And I can honestly say that I'm having the most fun that I've ever had coaching being in the setting that I'm in. 
Um, and I feel like I'm making a really big impact. And that's the number one goal. So with all the misconceptions that are out there, it's enjoyable. You get a little bit more time to yourself. I mean, a summer vacation definitely doesn't hurt um, in that aspect for sure. But I'm loving it. I'm getting a ton out of it and I'm continuing to develop. And I think that's the other the other misconception that can be out there is that you can get pretty stagnant when you don't have a big staff or you don't have people to kind of mentor you. But if you're able to keep the connections that you've built um, and continue to build new connections, I think, like I said, you can do some really, really cool things within this field. That's awesome. I love how I love the passion you kind of speak about your experience there with and it's obvious that you are having a great experience there. You think about the developmental window that you have these athletes and the impact that it has well beyond their four or five years that you have those athletes. It's really a springboard for their whole life, whether they go on to play uh, division three athletics, division one professional, or never play their sport competitively again that positive strength and conditioning experience comes back to the values that we care about at the nsca that we all connected with at one point as strength and conditioning coaches uh this was fun today nicole this is your first podcast big time nice job thank you i appreciate it and i appreciate you all bringing me on and you too kevin your first time on the nsca coaching podcast long time listener oh yeah what do you think man Loved it. Enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next one. Awesome. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up. Nicole, if uh, anyone wants to reach out, pick your brain a little bit more, what's the best way to do that? Definitely. Um, my Instagram is at Nicole Fowler 10. Our Phillips Exeter Instagram is definitely one that we're working on. So I highly recommend everybody <laughs> follows it. We're trying to get some good content out there. Um, it's Phillips underscore Exeter underscore strength. This was great. Thanks again, Nicole. Kevin, awesome job being with us today. Thank you. To our listeners, we appreciate you tuning into the NSCA Coaches Podcast and Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. I'm Coach Boyd Epley. I'm known as the founder of the NSCA, and you just listened to an episode of the NSCA Coaching Podcast. To learn more, about all the NSA offers, check out nsa.com and join us at an upcoming event this year. I hope to see you there. This was the NSCA's coaching podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.